Welcome back to the Tafel Training Institute podcast, everyone. I'm Ross Thorburn, and this week my guest is Leslie Painter Farrell. Leslie is professor at the New School in New York. She's head of their MA TESO program there. Leslie's also the author of several great books, including the roleplay book, Homework, and more recently, Lessons Learned First Steps Towards Reflective Teaching in ELT with Gabriel Diaz Maggioli. And in today's episode, I am going to be asking Leslie about reflective teaching. So we'll talk about why reflection is important, the different times when it's possible to reflect, so before lessons as much as after lessons, how to dig deeper and incorporate evidence into our reflections, and finally you'll hear Leslie's favourite question for prompting reflection. Enjoy the episode! Hi, Leslie. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. So to begin with, why is it important for teachers to reflect? I think a lot of teachers actually get sickened of reflection from doing teacher training courses. So why is reflection something teachers need to keep doing? And what happens if teachers don't reflect? There's a few reasons why, but I think we've got to look backward in order to look forward we've got to constantly hone our craft no matter how long you've been teaching for you're constantly thinking about okay what works what doesn't work but the key is that every group of students is different every group so we can try one thing with one group of students we can do the same thing with the next group of students one it works and the other one it doesn't why we never know it could be the time of day could be the attitude of the learner all sorts of different things We need to constantly engage in that thought process. Now, whether it is like you do on a training course, you write out what worked, what didn't, what am I going to keep? Maybe you don't have to do that, but you at least have to think about it. So I think constantly engaging with that. If we don't, we fall into the trap of thinking that we know best. Now, I'm not trying to be rude to teachers, but because maybe I've done it too, you know, where you think, I know this works, I'm just going to do it. But does it really? And then when it doesn't, what kind of of equipment have you got to help yourself out of that? We do stagnate. We do get very routinized. We know these two things tend to happen. So you really don't want to have to do that because we love what we do. I mean, most teachers are extremely passionate. Most teachers are really hardworking. So let's maintain that and let's prevent burnout because actually reflection really stops burnout. When you think about, okay, it's not feeling good. I'm not really enjoying this. Why? Let's think about the classroom first, because you obviously made a decision to become a teacher. I've no doubt that you still like teaching. Let's really analyze it. So I think for lots of different reasons, the learners, but also for yourself, it's critical. That's really interesting. A few years ago, I asked my parents how they were able to stay interested in teaching for their whole careers. And that was one of the things that they said, that every group of students is different. So you're never really teaching the same thing twice. Never. never. I mean, you know, if you think about us, the sort of the tense system alone, we're probably teaching present perfect how many times in our lives, but we know the different ways to do it. And I think we just have to keep thinking about it. And I think it's a lovely thing to think, okay, where am I now? What kind of things am I struggling with at this point in time? Let me just note them down. And I'm, I'm not into really long reams of writing. I think you can think about things. I think you can take notes. A year from now, what are you thinking about now? And I love doing, I do that myself. It's just my own practice of like, okay, I'm struggling with 
you know, just say optimism. And I've been thinking about this a lot, optimism in class, because we are in this kind of dire environmental crisis. We're in this, you know, pandemic, for God's sake. So what am I doing that when we walk into class, we're not necessarily thinking about all those things. And a year from now, how will it be different? Now, I think most people, when they think of reflection, they think of something that we do after a lesson. But you've said that reflection starts before, at the planning stage. Why is that? Right. Well, Schoen told us that there's reflection in and on action. So while we're in the class, we're constantly reflecting because we're reacting to things that happen in class. We make adaptations. And then obviously, as you said, there's the post-class reflection. But when we sit down to think about, okay, what am I going to teach tomorrow? What am I, what should I do? What activity should I do? We're thinking about, maybe not consciously, but when we taught it before, when we used these activities before, we're thinking about how it worked. So I might say, oh, you know, I want to play the game Alibi tomorrow. Oh, I remember. I've got to think about that because last time I did it, I remember student got a bit antsy because I made them the person that stole something. So when I go into class this time, I'm not going to pick that particular person or I'm not, I'm going to think who would be better suited to that role. Constant reflection, it's very closely linked to anticipation, but anticipation is constantly based on reflection. So I think, yes, we think about what happened previously and we should do it mindfully, but it's a tool we use more than we know. That's really interesting. I noticed that I do this in teacher training. So after doing training with a group of teachers, I usually take notes on what didn't work very well and what I'm going to do differently next time. And I just leave that note saved somewhere and I'll come back to it the next time when I'm about to do a similar training. And that's really when that list gets used when I'm planning the next time. And I think if I didn't do that, then probably a lot of those things would just get forgotten about. Yeah. Well, one of the things I ask the teachers to do who work with me is, of course, they they have to do formal lesson plans. They do the pro forma so that I can work with them. But then I just say, take a shopping list into class. So just have like one, two, three, what you're going to do. Don't keep the whole plan with you. You can't read it. It's not useful. You've done that thought process already. Then once you finish the class, just sit down, look at that shopping list. What did you do and what didn't? What went right? What went wrong? How long did things take? Keep that so that the next time you come to teach this, the next time you think about these things, just look really carefully because that's going to be your point of reflection. So it's, as I said, looking backwards to look forward. I think for most people, if you asked a colleague or maybe if you asked yourself, you know, how a class went, your first reaction would be to say something like, well, not bad, or it was okay. But those are reflections that are based, I think, a lot of the time on emotions rather than on evidence. So tell us, how can we encourage our our colleagues, if we're teacher trainers, or just encourage ourselves to dig deeper into what happened in a lesson? Yeah. Well, I think basically we've got to make reflection or evidence-based and so that means we've got to think about what have we got in the classroom that gives us the evidence so it's going to be a lot of different things it's going to be the whiteboard it's going to be the students notepads their notebooks it's going to be um maybe we can record a class but you know that who does that all the time But it's going to be things that we can just easily get from our students to think, okay, let's really think about how this is. So, for example, first thing I ask my students to do is just two or three students, just, you know, use your phone, see if they mind, 
see what notes they took. Was the objective really clear? Could you, if you went back and reviewed that, would you know what the lesson was about? Is it kind of all over the place? And of course, there's some part of sort of student error in there. It's not all to do with the teacher. But typically, you know, they note down what they think is important. And if something's wrong or did they get it wrong? Did they make a mistake? So I think you can use that as evidence. Also, then just sit back and look at your whiteboard or your smart board or the chat room in, you know, your chat in Zoom. Just go through it and think, okay, how logical is this beginning to feel? What does it look like a notepad or does it look like it's kind of organized well we have to organize our whiteboards we have to because that's another part of learning we are very systematic in the way that we learn we need things to be organized for us and we need pattern forming so is there a pattern there can they see how things generate Um, I think this kind of evidence is excellent of course we've said about exit tickets as well this I think gives you the evidence to then reflect on your lessons in maybe a, a, a sort of more concrete way because What you don't want to do necessarily is just reflect and kind of wax lyrical in your mind about, yeah, the lesson went well. I really like that activity. I'm going to use it again. And I really like that one. The student said she really had. And look at how much they laughed. All of that's important. I mean, I'm sounding flippant. I don't mean to because that is important. Our students need to be happy. We need to be happy. But at the same time, I think we also need to be a little bit more concrete in that, okay, right, I think it was a fairly effective lesson. The exit ticket is showing me, if I say, what did we learn today? They can tell me. So yeah, I think that I think that worked. So it's concrete. And I also think less is more. And this is sort of more like a directed observation, directed reflection. So on yourself, don't think about the whole lesson. Think about, okay, one part of it. Am I, you know, do I think that my pronunciation works a bit weak at the moment? Um, Am I not going deep enough into it? My students are really struggling with pronunciation. What skills am I giving them? So I think really just focusing on a couple of things or one thing is far better than, okay, I'm going to go through the whole lesson. Because my lessons, quite honestly, are three and a half hours long. So how effective will it be for me? But if I think of, okay, but I am struggling with getting them to understand this concept, or I would like to think about, did that really work? Just focus on a few things. You've said that reflection for reflection's sake is a waste of time. So for reflection to be effective, it has to lead to changes in how we teach. How can we make sure that reflection leads to action? Yeah, yeah. Well, it takes effort. So if I say to myself, okay, I wanted to look at my pronunciation work, this didn't work, or this did, I'm going to think about maybe using quiz and air rods to show ED endings, for example, but then I've got to do it. So there's got to be an accountability on me. Now, whether you write journals, whether you just, you know, whatever, I think all of that helps. You know, whether people really engage in it, I don't know. You can take a horse to water, but will it drink? But I think it's it's effort. And I think you've got to say to yourself, okay, I'm working on pronunciation or I'm working on this. These are the four or five strategies that I want to try over the next year or so. Um, And I think giving yourself time, we don't have to constantly reflect. I mean, I, I teach like everybody else. I teach every day. There's not going to be that okay, well, now I've got to write everything. Now I've got to think about it. No, it's going to be something that maybe Saturday morning, I'm like, mm, okay, let me think back to this particular class and making it manageable, manageable chunks. It's not the whole thing. And also to understand that 
it's not all bad. You know, a lot of times we think reflection means, oh, let's look at what went wrong. No, it's the same as corrective feedback. You give students feedback on what went right as well as what went wrong. So you might correct your students, but at the same time, you then say, but you did brilliantly. Remember last week you struggled with that, but you didn't today. Same thing with teaching. Like a while ago I was having difficulty with that. I'm not anymore. That's also reflection because we've got to build ourselves up. We've got to be constructive. And I think constructive means good and bad, but good, good, good. So making it compelling, making it something that you want to engage in. A lot of teachers often say to me, oh, reflection means, you know, I've got to constantly analyze myself as though it's you're not doing the good job. You've got to constantly get better and better and better. Let's change that wording a little bit. Isn't it more about you've got to constantly experiment and see and try? And the fact that something doesn't go right or doesn't feel right sometimes, that's actually wonderful. It's a great thing. I always say, you know, aren't we lucky? We've just realized, okay, we have to do it some, some differently. So let's look at reflection a little bit differently. And let's understand that reflection is learning. It's not about berating, assessing and it's also about enjoying our craft. We're constantly honing it. And that is something to embrace and enjoy. Now, I think for coaching colleagues, if you're a trainer, you usually begin with things like what happened, what went well, what went badly. But do you have any other sort of favorite questions to ask teachers or to ask yourself to prompt reflection? So I know that if Gabriel Diaz Maggioli listens to this, he'll smile because I asked him this and he was like, <gasps> But my question is always, would you like to be taught by you? That's my only question. You can make it a lesson. You could say, would you have liked to have done this activity? Would you have liked to have been in that lesson? Would you have liked to have received that corrective feedback? But it's you, you, you. It's one big question. And it's always about self. And I think putting yourself in the students' positions. But, you know, when you ask a teacher that, and you can kind of see them go, and they pull back almost physically from me. I'm like, no, 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 come back to me. It's okay. We didn't kill our students, but we do need to, to really walk in somebody's shoes. It's actually difficult to do. So we've got to try and make sure that that's part of our practice. One more time, everyone, that was Leslie Pinchett-Farrell. For more from her, click on the link in the show notes. For more from us, go to our website, www.tefltraininginstitute.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can click on the link in the show notes to buy us a coffee or just tell a friend about the show. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again next week. Goodbye.